There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Buds and Beads, sparkling and loose leaf teas. On our website, you'll be able to find access to our amazing cuppa community. Help 24 hours at your fingertips. Also, if you're looking to support the podcast, we have a merch page there where we're selling our Sober Awkward t-shirts and tea. Tea and tea. Yes, tea for sober people. It's amazing. You'll also find events, blogs and how to contact us. So just head to SoberAwkward.com. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. 
Will you have to pay council tax on it if it's a second property? Or God, Hamish, you know, just by looking at me, that I don't know anything about council tax, don't you? I don't know who's less savvy, myself or you. Like, yeah. I often think, oh, I don't know, I'll ask Vic. And then your answer is a bigger guess than mine on that yeah, sort of thing. I have no idea. Tax, money, um, what else are we... Oh, tech. Tech, yeah. You're not... techier than me, actually. I am actually. a bit techier than you. You are a bit techier yeah. than me. We had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always ask my husband. He does all that stuff. If he dies, I'm in trouble. Mainly because of tech. Mainly because of tax. <laughs> yeah. Mainly tax reasons. John dying would be a bad move for you. It would Raising be terrible. Raising kids and just no, that get, getting fine. through the rest of your life. No yeah, problem. no problem. That, but for just tax, tax reasons. For John tax death. reasons, I hope he doesn't pass away. <laughs> Was that uh, your vows? Yeah. Yeah. You say that on your wedding day. No, I did say in my vows that I wasn't prepared to do any ironing throughout our marriage. How's that going? Good. I don't do any ironing or washing. You have done well. I yeah. should have included that yeah. in the vows. Yeah. I should have got her to sign, yeah. sign yeah, it. Sign it. Yeah, yeah, sign it away. <laughs> Today we want to talk about how sobriety can help you become a better parent. I think going to be a lot of fun because I want to start off by asking you the question, what's the one thing about parenting that you didn't expect when you first went into it? It's funny, I thought about this question. I sat down. I thought you would. And I really was like, what is the one thing I didn't expect? And what it is, came, what came up was quite surprising. I didn't realise they would have their own personalities yeah. and thoughts that and you ways can't control. of. Yes. I mm. thought I'd be able to mould them into people that I wanted them to be. Mm. It turns out they have their own minds, ideas, and character. And this makes things very, very hard. I also thought they listened and did what you told them, but I'm wrong again. What I'm saying is I have lost control and I need help. Somebody help me. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember feeling that earlier than I thought I would feel that. I thought as a baby, like, well, they're part of me. I can obviously just yeah, mold like, think them. them into doing something that I want them to do. Not the case. And they have their own thoughts immediately. Yeah. And my son can't even say no yet. I'm kind of dreading, like, oh, this next, that, like, the next fun stage is when they can talk. I'm like, no, because when they can talk, they can say no. Yeah. And then they become bastards. Yeah, and if you're there, like my four-year-old with the swear jar, yeah. when they learn to talk, they just turn you to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Okay, well, I never expected... To see a man pee straight into his mouth. Oh. That was the big surprise of me. <laughs> yeah, that is a big surprise. Somebody mentioned yeah. the other day, yeah. Like, it was a birth early, a birth, a birth. That it was early on in his life. No, a bath early on in his life. Just straight stream, straight into the mouth. Didn't even touch the lips. Straight in. That's incredible. It was quite impressive. Yeah, I am impressed. So that was something that I really didn't expect at all. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting that. I guess the other thing, though, is that... I know, I'm over a year in now, and it still hasn't completely sunk in. I had this feeling yesterday in the car, like he spoke from behind me, or he spoke and made noises. I was like, oh my God, I, I sort of forget quite often that I am a dad and that he is my son and that every day for the rest of my life, I will be a parent to him. And I thought that that would sink in sooner. I still feel like when I drop him off at daycare, or when you're at like a party and the parents sort of talk to each other away from the people that aren't parents, I still feel like I'm faking it. I'm playing the role of a parent, mm-hmm. but they all know what's going on and I'm blagging it. Yep. 
And it's been a year. Do you still feel that? Your years in? Well, I hate to tell you that doesn't really change. I still feel weird. Like, I cannot believe I grew three humans yeah. in my stomach. Yeah. Like, for that, even that stage still seems strange, let alone see them walking around and being mm. like functional little humans yeah. that I grew inside my body. So it, the amazingness of having children never really ends. It just gets more weird. But I still find it hard that I never had to fill in more forms at the hospital or they mm. give me a license. They expect you to sort of just whip them out and then they send you on your way and you're expected to know what to do. It's very weird and overwhelming, but somehow you just get on with it, don't you? Yeah, you, you just do. get on with the parenting thing. I can't actually believe I'm trusted to take care of them. Yeah. That no one is stepping in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that an intervention. Yeah. yeah, I guess I'm doing something right. I do have a head boy as you a child at the moment. Boy. Yeah, I think he might have been swapped at birth, actually. Well, that's how I feel. My son is attractive. Liz yeah. and I were but ugly as children. Yeah, no, but you're both attractive now. We've come round, but you should see us as babies. Yeah. We are the opposite. Sonny is a, is a great looking kid. He's a great looking we boy. We are worrying looking kids turnip heads yeah yeah i don't know who was i'm aware that i was an unattractive kid and i see photos of liz and i i think she pips it oh really yeah but i think she thinks <laughs> the other way around either way we're agreed that we were freakish children what's this got to do with sobriety though okay, Hamish? That's that was just a fun little aside yeah uh, no so i i wrote this episode based purely on one line from a russell brand interview on the diary of a ceo podcast I understand 15% of what Russell Brand says. Also, like, I've been listening to podcasts recently at 1.25 speed. Okay. He already speaks at 1.25 yes, speed. Yes, you have to slow him Very down. Very difficult. Yeah. You need to slow him right down. But basically, and we will get him on this podcast. We I will know, one day, Russell, you're Vic coming on. has made it her life's passion to get him on the podcast. I actually feel a little bit worried if he does come on because I don't know how to interview Russell Brand. No, you just have to let him speak, I think. Yeah, I don't think you can organise questions because no. he'll just talk. Yeah. And I don't know what question I could ask him that he hasn't already been asked. Yes. He talks about sobriety a lot. I don't think you'd even have to ask him anything. I think you'd just have to say, go. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Over to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. So what he said was, you can't be a father to anyone until you can be a father to yourself. Now, of course, that goes the same for mothers. Um, and it kind of struck me that this is true of us all. I think over the last few weeks, I've been going back to the very start of this podcast, like I said, in order to edit together short, interesting clips for our Thursday retrospective episode. And on one of them, both you and Lucy compared what your kids must have thought of your drinking. So Lucy's kids, they were a little bit older. They were teenagers. And she said that they would be scared every time that she had a night out. Scared yeah. that she wouldn't come home. She'd yeah. come home late or quite like just before she gave up drinking, she fell off a wall. Yes, Remember? that's she right. And she had a black eye. Yep. Yeah. And she fell over in the lounge once and her daughter found her in the lounge. And she, her kids were worried about her. Yep. And then, but for you, your kids were obviously a lot younger and they weren't fully aware of what alcohol was so you were worried that they just saw mummy drinks this thing that makes mummy very sick putting two and two together like mummy drinks poison and then doesn't hang out with us <laughs> yeah it kind of struck me that all three of you you russell and lucy the, the three amigos oh, i like again. that you're putting russell lucy and i in the yeah. same bag yeah well i kind of feel like all three of you are right 
until you truly look after yourself, you cannot look after children to the best of your ability. So true. You're right, Hamish. A lot of people have children in the hope that everything will change for the better. It will bring them closer as a partner, force them to readdress any bad habits and magically transform them into a super parent. I know for me, my first few pregnancies were the only time I'd ever gone sober and I loved embodying that new identity, although it didn't last long. The truth is becoming a parent doesn't solve anything. Sadly, it more often widens the cracks of any issue. Yeah, we talk a lot on this podcast about how our children are our purpose to go sober and our motivation to stay sober. But this episode is not only talking to those of you who are our parents already. We're also addressing those of you who are thinking of having kids or already have them and are worried they aren't doing a good enough job, possibly because your drinking is getting in the way. Now, we can't pretend to be the perfect parents by any stretch. Of course, we're not. We don't even think the perfect parent exists. So we are not here to preach or teach. We are here to share our experiences and hope that they reach the ears of those that need to hear them. So over the course of today's episode, we hope to show you that great parenting starts a little closer to home. In fact, it can even start before you have a child. God, this is getting a bit meta, isn't it, Hamish? I know. We haven't even made a cock joke yet, Vic. No cock jokes. It's unlike so, us. I mean, we're already eight minutes in. How can there be no cock jokes? We can, we can bring it back. I will we'll bring it back. One in I'll sneak somewhere. one in somewhere, yeah. yeah. In a way, sneak one in is a cock joke. Sneak one in could be, yeah. yeah. What I mean by all this is that by taking care of yourself, you train and prepare yourself to take care of others. It's a bit like that thing when they say on aeroplanes, when they say when your oxygen mask drops down, mm. put yours on first before taking care of your kids and the ones sitting around you. Basically, Russell Brand has taken that lesson from aeroplanes and Russell branded it by making it sound more poetic and beautiful. Yeah, that is so true. I always wonder that in the panic of a plane going down, would you actually put a child's, put any uh, mask on? Just put mine on and ignore my kids yeah. and get ready to die. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I think the panic would overtake. I'd, I think I'd be trying to text people that I loved more than anything else. You reckon? Before the mask, So yeah. the plane's coming down, you're getting your phone out, you're yes. turning it off aeroplane mode, you're waiting for signal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not panicking, that's that's controlled. That is quite controlled actually, isn't yeah. it? I'd hope I'd be good in that sort of situation. I don't ever want to find out. No, let's not. No. So what do you wish for in a parent? If you could create a type of scientific experiment that produces a wonderful parent, what would that look like, Hamish? Okay, so I thought a lot about this because I think you can think about the parents that you wish you had or you can be thinking about the parent you hope that you will be okay okay so i thought i could rattle off 100 points but it wouldn't make a great episode so i've tried to whittle it down to my top four yeah okay so someone that is caring someone that sets boundaries and knows when to say no someone that leads by example and a good listener any that you'd add um supporting passions like nurturing creative sides i put loving and affectionate not distracted, available, kind. Those okay. are my four. The point that I'm trying to make here is that all of these qualities you can show to yourself before you even have kids. You can be more available, be more kind and compassionate. All of those things you can be to yourself. Yeah, I think this is interesting, Hamish, because one thing I never did when I was a drinker was parent myself. Mm-hmm. I was always either parenting other people because I was a people pleaser and I never really looked inwards and took care of myself, which means perhaps that I struggle a bit as a parent now because I didn't do the work before I became a parent. Okay, I just thought I'd 
just do it and that would be okay. So you only started practicing once you actually became a parent. Of course, yeah, because yeah. I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea that, as I said, that they were their own little characters that, that couldn't mm-hmm. often be controlled. That's why I've been going to a parenting class, actually, Hamish, in the last few really? weeks. Yeah, I've just done a six-week parenting course called 123 Magic, learning how to do the timeouts and because I lose my temper very quickly and mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of patience. And that can be very, very difficult when you're shouting at people because all I'm doing is teaching them to shout and yeah. I see it. So, yeah, I'm definitely not the perfect parent. All of us can parent ourselves a little better, I think. I know I'm trying to. <laughs> all of us have been parented in some way in our lives. You've experienced how it can be done and how it can be done poorly or properly. Instead of passing on bad habits, learn from them, practice them on yourselves and pass it on once you've worked on it. So shall we ask each other a really unfair and revealing question, Hamish? Oh, goody. Go for it. What flaws in your character do you fear you might pass on to your children? Holy shit. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to focus on two. But there's probably loads. Yeah. <laughs> but if I only narrow it down to two, I say I've got my things together. Yes. Okay. So the first one, and I think it's one that I mentioned earlier briefly, is the idea of setting boundaries. Okay. I am a yes man. I see everything as an opportunity and agree to things before really considering their consequences or whether I really actually want to do something. I'm not sure if I've ever set a boundary, so I find myself quite frustrated if someone oversteps it, even though they don't know there was one there because I haven't communicated it. Yeah. Um, my wife, luckily, is better at this than I am, so hopefully she can just pass it on and I will... yes hopefully they they don't inherit that part of you yeah yeah. that's actually a good way to set your life up is just to live in hope that they inherit all your good things and the good things from your wife and then you don't have to worry about those rather than just take the bad bits from both of us yes which i'm sure does happen as well marry someone who is good at all the things yeah who has no bad bits that'd be better you know i say that it's something that i'm working on i'm working on my boundary setting but to be totally honest i don't know where to start I guess the only way to start is to start setting boundaries and I have not started setting boundaries. Yep. So I still am working on it because it sounds good, but I haven't done shit and I'm still awful at it. I have only started setting boundaries in sobriety. Yeah. That is, that is just something that's come with it is that I am now capable of saying no or, or telling someone when I'm upset or just being clear about how I'm feeling about a lot of things. See, for me, I'm going, I'm bad at setting boundaries. And the, the story I tell myself is, well, that's just what I'm like. I'm just a yes man. I'm just overexcitable and I'll, I'll never change. So for some reason, I can't get out of the I can change for the better mindset when it comes to boundary setting. Yeah. But I can for like, oh, I used to drink and now I don't. Yeah. So I think it's difficult to, to divorce yourself from some thoughts or, th- or, or personality traits than it is than others I think for you it's more to do the big things like the big things you're right because it's a challenge and it's something you can do right. and you can concentrate and you think about it but it's the little things where you struggle where you don't yeah. have the boundaries because they're day to day things and you don't really think they're as important as they are mm-hmm. but perhaps when the boundaries are lost often you lose more of yourself yeah do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. And I think actually probably at the absolute crux of being a bad boundary setter is hating confrontation. Yes. I think really yeah. to be a good boundary setter, you probably have to be okay with some confrontation because mm. you have to, you're basically telling people no in a way. Mm. No, I don't do this or no, I don't want you to do that or I can't do this because... And I struggled to do all of those things. It's funny. We had a chat when Hamish arrived here today that I 
Hamish, I often have to hand over the horrible emails yep. that we get sometimes. We get ones complaining. We get the odd strange comment. Mm-hmm. And I recently had a lady email me to say that I... I wasn't enough. Basically, that's what the email said. I wasn't putting enough effort in and I wasn't responding enough and mm-hmm. I wasn't there enough or present enough on my Facebook page, something like that. And usually those sort of things, I now, because I'm not very good at dealing with those things, I get angry, I'm emotional. I hand them over to Hamish yeah. and he takes a deep breath and writes a really good email back. So good, in fact, that the person then apologises. Sometimes. Yeah. And well, says, it's, I still have to sleep on it. Yeah. So you hand them over to me, I sleep on it, which basically means I think about it all night, yeah. about how to phrase the response, and then I write it in the mornings. Yeah, because we don't want people being upset with us. Anyway, this one, I've re- reacted, and I read it to Amish when he, when he arrived yesterday, and I said, I was so upset about this. And I actually had to show that woman my boundaries. Mm. I didn't feel like I overreacted. I felt like, actually, you know, you have no idea how much time, it's what we're talking about today, how much I sacrifice my time with my children for this podcast and for this Facebook page and Mm. for Cuppa and for everything else that I do. I sacrifice a lot of time with my kids for that. So that stung me. That dug deep, that comment, Mm -hmm. because actually... But you saying I'm not good enough, you have no idea how much time I give for this. Yeah. Yeah. And things like that. When your boundaries are pushed, sometimes mine dissolve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm pushed mean. into actually going, no, I'm not going to have boundaries here and I'm going to lurch back at you, mm-hmm. um, which I don't often do. So don't send me horrible emails. No. <laughs> Don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. Um, so yeah, that's one thing I'm, I'm scared of passing on. It's definitely a personality fault of mine. Yep. The second one is sharing vulnerabilities and emotions. I know it's good to do those two things. I know it brings people closer to you. I know people you know, feel like they can share theirs with you if you've shared all of those things. But I'm still bad at it. Mm. Um, I can blame other people for that yeah i grew up in a house which was which wasn't an overly share your emotions house it's not a particularly british trait to to unload but basically it's my fault i can't blame anyone that's just my thing no but no i I disagree with you there okay i think it's ingrained in you to not do that because it's something that you've learned to grow up just to you know be the yes man and be this certain type of character it's like the identity that we're talking about in the party girl episode it's just who you are so you carry on being that person because it seems too difficult to change and too confronting for you to change for other people yes but you know, I think it's easy to say, well, that's all I've known. So that's why I'm like that. Yeah. But, you know, lots of things that I do in my life are also things I haven't, you know, I don't know lots of people that run around naked yeah. or like my parents didn't go to clown school, so I went to clown school. So yes, like, yes, I, that's I kind true. of feel like there's two sides of that. Yes, coin. yeah. So you can sort of rebel against it or go and, and do what's ingrained inside you. Yeah. yeah. So my tactic is I swallow things down. I'm quite good at telling myself that like this will pass, mm. and, you know, this feeling or this vulnerability or this, you know, down day will pass. So why bother burdening people with it? I will probably feel fine tomorrow. Mm. So I tend to just not share them. I think this is something I've got better at, but then I have conversations with my wife and she's like, no, this is not something you've got better at. This is still something you need to do a fair bit of work on. I hope that my kids feel comfortable enough to share their feelings with me. To be honest, I don't know how you pass that on as a trait because actually I feel like I'm I'm a little bit afraid of breaking down the perception of being like a parent that's got their shit together in front of my kids by unloading on them. Mm. I know you've had days, you had a time in a car once, didn't you, when you told your 
kids. Yes. I'm really struggling today. Yes. And I applaud that. And I don't know if I could do that. But I think the long term effect of you doing that is that maybe in 10 years when your kids have a bad day, they will feel more comfortable saying it to you. I wonder what a psychologist would say. Like there's been a few times where I've cried in front of the children in the car and just gone like, guys, I, I cannot cope this. I'm not doing well. What you've done today has upset me. I wonder if a if a psychologist would say that was the wrong thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. We have to find out. Because yeah. yeah, I've never really opened up to my parents mm. emotionally about this about anything really. Um, so you know, and even close friends, not often that I do it. No. But then I I would hate for my kid to not open up to me. When I do open up to my parents, I do find I do get a bit shut down because they often think what I'm saying is just sort of ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I, I tend not to do it because I know I'm going to get pushed back. If I disagree with something that they do and I say, this is how this has made me feel, mm-hmm. I get pushed, but don't be like so emotional sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. But that's a, I think that's a generational thing as well. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it will change. It's certainly a, a flaw that I know that I have. Yeah. Um, and I hope I don't pass it on. What about you? You got a few? No, I'm a brilliant human, oh, Hamish. Yeah. I never doubt myself. I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm the best parent that's ever lived. Yeah. Of, I, I would win a competition of mumming. Well, you, you get best mum ever cards from your kids on Mother's Day. So Yeah, once a year. That, that proves yeah. it. It proves yeah. the point. No, I'm as fucked up as the next struggling <laughs> mum, quite honestly. I have a bad habit of losing my call. I'm a shouter. As I said, I'm yeah. working on it. I'm very aware of these things. There's only so many times, though, you can ask kindly to brush your teeth at 8.50 in the morning when you're supposed to be at school. There's a lot of repetitiveness in motherhood mm-hmm. and parenthood. You have to ask the same questions again and again and again. And it is extremely annoying. I find it annoying saying the same thing over and over and no one listening to Mm me. And I feel like I'm passing on that negative behavior because I see my 11-year-old doing it to the younger ones. His his level of emotion is very zero to hero. Like he'll go from nothing to just being really angry really quickly, which is just what I do. Because I've said the same thing over and over again. It's not really quickly, it's just a Mm build-up. And then I'm starting the day at this high level of emotion instead of working up to it. So sometimes as a parent, I find I'm already at my maximum at the beginning of the day. So therefore, I'm always going to be on edge. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't set you up well. John is very calm. John is very so calm. He loses it sometimes and the kids know that they're in trouble yeah. when he loses it. And it is for, over the same things. It's when they're not listening and, mm-hmm. and we're trying to get out the door and they're not doing as you ask. I do try to talk to my children about my anger and theirs because okay. I know that we have all have issues with it. We're all very quick to lose our tempers. It's not every day. But when we do, it doesn't feel good. So we're trying this one, two, three method so that I don't actually say anything. I don't say stop your behavior or you're going into your bedroom. I just say one and that's them to sort of think about what they're doing and stop. Number two is to reconsider their behavior. And number three is a timeout for however old they are. So Nellie goes in for seven minutes to her bedroom to think about her behavior George is 11 minutes and Freddie is four. Now, Freddie, because he's so young, I've started it. If I say one, he stops his behavior completely. That works. It's working, yeah. Wow. So I really recommend doing that, actually, that one, two, three magic, because it just makes me think about, then I don't have to lose my temper mm-hmm. because I don't want to. I don't like that feeling. I don't want to be that parent that is not the mother that I know I am, mm-hmm. but kids have this magic way of pushing you. Pushing the buttons. Pushing the right buttons. But I do feel very guilty about my shouting sometimes. 
which isn't good. So which is why I'm very conscious of it now. There's another thing that I do, which I don't like about myself, which is talk about weight and okay. diet. Yeah. I grew up with a mum who was always on a diet. I didn't realise it had an influence on me, but I am always talking about weight and diet and I've tried to stamp it out in my house because I don't want my kids to ever think that the way they look is important or represents who they are. I worry about it, yet I find myself talking about restricting my food intake and fad diets and all these stupid Mm. things. I just want to accept my body so that my kids accept their own bodies. Mm -hmm. At least I'm conscious of it though, Hamish. I know what I'm doing and I know that messaging is toxic so i am trying to do better i think the real problems lay when parents don't know what they're doing wrong and continue doing that behavior and never ever address it i think what we're both saying here is that we are conscious of the things we're doing wrong and we're taking the steps to try and change those things absolutely none of us are perfectly formed people and you probably feel never completely ready and prepared to have children of your own but it is important to feel in a safe enough place in yourself before taking it on Alcohol has sadly been the ingredient for many a broken home. And anyone that grew up in such a home will tell you about the long and short term effects of this. Without trying to sound too woo woo, I guess what I'm getting at here is that you have to love yourself to truly love someone else. Sure, there'll always be days when you don't love yourself as much as others or you'll make mistakes along the way. But as long as you're building from a fundamentally strong place, you'll be infinitely better off as a parent. Oh, yes, I love this. I love this kind of preparation for parenting there's not enough of that yeah as i said about not getting a child license and them not filling enough forms at the hospital you're just sort of sent away and expected to know what to do well that's what i'm hoping with this episode i'm hoping that people even if you are not a parent yet you can still relate to the message we're trying to get across here which is am i able to take care of myself to a level that i feel confident to have kids of my own yeah and really like i just said you never actually feel confident enough to have kids you of, never do. of your own no. until there's nine months of pregnancy. And you're like, okay, now I really need to get my shit together. And you still probably won't feel ready, but you learn on the job. You learn on the go for sure. I remember sometimes thinking as a child that the party was more important than me growing up. My parents never knew I felt like this because I never told them. I didn't want to be a party pooper, but I did sometimes get fed up with the people being over for dinner parties all the time. And I wanted more cozy nights in with my mum and dad. Really? I should have told them because my parents are great and they would have listened and done something about it, I think. So what I'm saying now, Hamish, is that growing up, I did occasionally feel like my parents' need to entertain overtook my needs for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is something I try, which I don't do now because I don't party as much as my parents did. Yeah, there's yeah. too many nights in. Too many nights in. Your parents in. are going, yeah. your kids are going, please yeah. throw a party. And do you know what? That has the opposite effect on me because I now worry that my children are growing up with boring parents. It is one of my really? worries. Because I grew up in this crazy household that was parties all the time and it was really, really fun. There were certain points where I needed them a bit more, but it was the best fun. I looked up to my parents mm. where they were the host with the most. But now I feel like, gosh, well, are my kids missing out because we don't have people around very often? or Mm. because there aren't any parties and karaoke and party poppers going off are my children missing out on that so you can't win can you interesting i wouldn't have that worry i don't think children's personalities are that formed by whether or not their their parents are hosting a lot yeah i don't think so My, my parents hosted a lot but it was like a dinner party and then they left yeah it wasn't dancing and stuff but i guess that was quite good i think being around adults as a kid is great i think i'd be able to hold a conversation with an adult who's 50 years older than you and you don't have much in common but you learn to communicate with people from different generations 
I think that is an important skill to have. Yeah. As long as you've got people coming in and out of the house, it doesn't matter if it's a party or not. That's what I would, I would think. That's true. My mum actually reminded me of something that I said when I was really little during my last trip home. She said, I turned to her one day and I said that I was never really worried because I knew that she'd always be there. She was never late. She was never drunk. She never let me down or said she was going to be somewhere and forgot. Her reliability was the core of a lot of my security as a child. I thought that is a that is a good gift to give a kid. And I think not being a drinking parent is at the crux of that. Actually, Hamish, I'll disagree with you. Go on. I felt that too mm-hmm. as a child. No matter what, I knew my parents would always back me up. Yep. And in fact, I've started writing my second book and it is based upon that. It is based about knowing that no matter what happens, my parents were always there for me. Mm. And so it's about that unconditional love. And actually, it doesn't matter if you fuck up as a parent. As long as your kids, like I shout, I'm mental, I'm crazy all the time. But my kids know that they have unconditional love. And I think that is the basis of good parenting. And I'm not sure whether anything else matters. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that idea of being there is a big thing. Like, yeah. I, when I was doing kids parties, I did kids parties for years and years and years as an entertainer. And at every kid's party, no matter if it's like 12 kids or 40 kids, there's always one who is a challenge. Yeah. Polite way of putting it. Yeah. Um, And more often than not, they were the ones who either had a parent that worked away a lot. I mean, once or twice it was the parent was in prison or divorced or whatever it was. Like if, if there was something that was pulling a parent away a lot of the time, that seemed more often than not to manifest in a, in a difficult, challenging, yeah. probably insecure child definitely low on confidence so i think that idea of being present and available and there and reliable and reliable is huge in yeah, a kid's life yeah. i think this is one of the secrets of great parenting um just showing up and being present and being a face in the crowd to cheer them along in activities and nativity plays it counts for a lot of course you can't just show up stinking in a drunken mess and expect to have the same impact to a certain extent our children will be whoever it is they want to be you can only control so much of it But you would imagine that the earlier in their lives you can set an example of someone who takes care of themselves, the more likely they will pick it up too. Your kids were so young when you went sober, Vic. Were you ever afraid of the lessons they would have picked up from you had you continued to drink? I think I know for sure. I don't think I'd have a head boy right now if I'd continued to drink. What do you reckon your three kids would look like today if you were still drinking? Freddie would be the same. Yeah. (laughs) I think they'd be a little bit more insecure. Yeah. Yeah. I think there would perhaps be a few more issues with them. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain my kids not wouldn't be so well-rounded as they are now, mm-hmm. actually. I'm glad they never saw me drunk or hungover because I really was a shadow of myself in those days, like pale and unsure of my mental health. I'm so grateful that they never saw me vulnerable mm-hmm. because that's not what you want. You're, you want your kids to look up and think of you as a strong, powerful person. But also, I guess it's good for them to see a vulnerable sometimes side sometimes too. I was very, very afraid, Hamish, which is why I stopped drinking, really. Because I didn't want them to see that person. I knew that wasn't who I was. I didn't want my kids having to go through what I did, the questioning, the low self-worth, the risk. And I hope by stopping, I've broken that chain and I've stopped a generational issue. I hope my choices influence them to be more careful when it comes to booze. I want to be the cycle breaker, the only one that leads by example. All I can do is try, but yes, if I carried on, there is no way my kids would be as happy as they are now. There is probably a chance I would be dead. Do you think that, really? 
I'm not sure that I would have coped with that level of anxiety for much longer. Yeah. It was so bad. I mean, it caused me to stop drinking, so I did. But my drinking and alcohol-induced anxiety was no joke. I do not believe I would have survived living that long or something would have happened where I was on a binge. You know what I mean? I could have fallen Mm. off a roof or got run over by a car. I think if I'd carried on, they might not have the mum that they do now. And that isn't a perfect mum still, but I think it's better than the person that I was when I was a drinker. I think I read a quote this week. You just reminded me saying that, which was, I think it was Michael Jordan who said, you know, his his biggest hero in life will always be his mum. I think everyone that gets asked, who's your biggest inspiration, your biggest motivator, who's your hero? People so often respond, my parents or my mum or my dad. I was like, that is what I want. I want to be my kid's hero. Yeah. And that would be the greatest joy. That's putting a lot of pressure on yourself, isn't it, as a parent? Well, just biologically, the odds are stacked in my favour, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> but then there's a, that's why there's so much guilt that glides along beside motherhood and parenthood because you put so much pressure on yourself to mm-hmm. be this perfect parent. Instagram doesn't help with that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you see these people in matching pajamas, you know, these families having the best time jumping off rope swings in Bali and all that sort of stuff. And it puts a lot of pressure on you yeah. to be a certain way and to be that hero parent. And it's very, very hard to achieve that. Well, we'll get to this, but basically, even if you're not that hero parent today, it's not too late. Yes. That is going to be a message that we'll get to later on this podcast. Okay, good. You can you can bring it round. So I still have time, do I? You, no, you're you're a lost <laughs> you're cause. <fucked. laughs> lost cause. Oh god. Yeah. Do do you talk to your kids about alcohol? You know how it affected you and how it could affect them. Or do you feel like they're still too young for that conversation? George, who is eleven, we chat about it quite a lot because we watch TV a lot together. It always is on TV. Every program we watch, there's people yeah. drinking. And if I say someone sober, like Elton John or something, he's like, oh, Elton John's sober. He's interested that people are sober. Mm. And he often says he's just going to have alcohol-free beers when yeah, he grows he up. That, hasn't he? And often I just put my hand on him if we're talking about alcohol and how it's affected a family or people that we know that are alcoholics. I always just put my hand on his knee and just say, just look at the impact, George. You know, mm. just, just be aware of it. Just to point out that this is what happens when you drink to some people. What you're seeing on TV, George, is half of the story. Mm. I'm trying to give him that message. There is another half, which is none of this frivolous stuff. It is addiction and death and all of these ter- other yeah. terrible things. I've probably scared him out of it, quite Maybe. honestly. What, what age did those conversations start with him? They've only started in the last two years, I would okay, say. So he's 10, 9, 10 years yeah, old. Yeah, he's more aware of, of alcohol than, ever, than he's ever been right now. I'm trying slowly to subliminally teach them that alcohol has such ne- negative impact without literally shoving it down their throats i don't want to be like you can't do this because i know that will have the opposite effect so i just want to give them the information when it's right it's all about teaching them that they're good enough without it for me and the way that i do that is to build up their self-esteem so that they feel like they don't have to drown anything out as they reach the teenage years i have no idea whether that will work i will let you know you know how some people do that thing like oh if you want to have a drink or if you want to do a drug do it with me the first time i'm not sure about that do you think you could do that or not? No, definitely not. No. I would never do that. No. Because I we've talked about this before. You used to have that house with that kid. Yeah. You'd go around and oh my mum lets me smoke spliffs in the lounge. Yeah. That kid always didn't that do well. That is a problem, kid often. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can't I get the logic of it. You know, like with not with drugs. I feel like drugs is a I think if doing drugs with your parents breaks something, in my opinion. But I think with drink, Maybe. Can, you know, if they're like the, the an age when you're allowed to. Yeah. 
and it's your house and it's a safe space I feel like I might feel more comfortable with them doing that than like in a bush in a park. You know that what is I mean? a whole topic in itself it's there the, because yeah. it is a very, very difficult one. I'm not sure what I would do. I, we would need to get a real expert on here to yeah. tell us what to do. I think we'll do that because I'm desperate to know what is the right thing to do yeah. there. Do I sit and watch him have a beer with his mates Good. in my garden, it's even really though it's something right. I'm totally against mm. and scares me, in fact? Yeah. Cause, uh, so, yeah, I think the only thing you can do is, is is pump up their self-esteem to the point where they don't feel like they'd need to numb out their life in any way. Yeah. I just listened to Lizzo, actually. I love Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a quote, which is, I'm all about body positivity and self-love because I believe that we can save the world if we save ourselves first. Oh, it's very much in the Russell brand. Yes, very. It popped up on, I thought, I must share that with Hamish because that's pretty much what this episode is about. Yeah, that's spot on. A child really just wants to see their parents safe and happy, in much the same way you want your children to be. That is why, even if you have been a right pisshead most of your kids' lives, it is never too late to break the cycle. Lucy spoke very honestly about this on our podcast. Her children had fallen in love with the sober version of their mum, which was amazing. They loved coming home and seeing her curled up on the sofa, drinking a cup of tea. It brought them a lot closer. And the fact that they had seen her when she was at her worst made her story all the more inspiring to them. That's not to say you should go out and pick up a drinking habit just to have a real rags to riches story. Although we do love a rags to riches story. We love Lucy's story. I must mention there quickly, of course, that Lucy's children, because of seeing her change, are now changing their their own relationships with alcohol, which is incredible. That's another reason to say it's never too late. Lucy had terrible guilt about drinking throughout her children's lives, but now they've seen her change. They are changing themselves. And they're what now, 20 or late teens? Um, 20. 20, I think nearly 20 and 16, I think they exactly. are. Yeah. So even if you have drunk through the early years and the early teenage years, it's still not too late to change, to change, you know, their perceptions on alcohol and to inspire them through your sobriety. So true. Going sober is one of the best things you can do to show yourself and the world that you are taking care of number one. No more booze means no more promiscuity, injuries, run-ins with the police, hangovers or unpredictability. And funny enough, Hamish, when you say those things, all of those things would have been activities that I thought were fun. Yeah. Every single one of those. I thought a run in with the police. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good story. And that's I would have been a terrible mother. And actually, I had children quite late on. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet my husband until I was 34. I had my last child at 42. Mm-hmm. And people often say to me, do you wish you'd had them earlier? And I'm like, no, there is no way in a million years I could have could have had a child before 34 because I did not know how to parent myself. Yeah, you and I are both similar in that, that we actually both value a good story over probably our own health. Yeah, (laughs) so true. Sober is you reliable. It means you'll show up, you'll be your authentic self and more often than not, you will inspire a few people along the way. Not to mention the snowball effect sobriety often has on you becoming more focused on your mental health, your exercise, your diet, all of which breeds better habits in you and those that look up to you. Neither of my parents have ever been big drinkers. I don't believe either of them have ever been drunk in my lifetime. And as a result, I've never felt afraid for either of them. It's only now that I'm a parent that I realise what a gift that is. 
Yeah, that is a gift, Hamish. I did used to sometimes worry about my parents when they were rolling around in the garden after too many bottles of cheap sparkling wine. (laughs) But I just had to let them get on with it. And I must say that no matter what, my parents have been there amazing throughout my life and I love them dearly. And I don't blame them for my drinking either. It was just something that I took to a different level to them and it certainly wasn't their fault. Basically, none of us are a perfect parent, are we, Hamish? No. But we can change. We can learn from our experiences and we can strive to make tomorrow better than today. So get out of here and take good care of yourself. Go and run a bath, pour yourself a cuppa, go for a walk, kick the booze and pass on some of that newfound energy and love to your little ones. Hell yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like a super parent because you're sober? Or do you feel like I'm still shit at it? Or do you feel like, well, at least I'm better than I was when I was drinking? Absolutely, the latter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I'm a really shit parent sometimes. Yeah. I totally feel that in my bones. And I know I'm doing things wrong and I know I say things. I have filthy humour, for example. I'll tell you this morning, right? It was the end of Wart Boy. Do you know what that is? George has a wart on his knee. So we went to doctors this morning at 8.15 and it was, we were very sad and we were joking about Wart Boy. And the the demise of Wart Boy oh, and how we were sad and yeah. all the way there. And when we got to the when we got to the doctor's surgery, they have a pot in the, in there that they keep their pens in that have been used. Mm-hmm. And on it it says dirty pens, but it looks like dirty penis. Yes. And I said to the lady behind the counter, Oh, you've still got your pot with dirty penis written on it. And the woman sort of blushed and George blushed. And sometimes I'm really rude because I think it's funny. And I realise it's too rude for an 11-year-old. And I say the wrong things and I swear because I think it's funny. I'm like a sort of teenager. Yeah, that's it. I'm not a grown-up. I'm like, oh, let's say shit and knickers because it's funny. And I say it in front of my kids and I'm just teaching them to say shit and knickers all the time. Yeah, they do swear that. Shitty knickers. Shit knickers. (laughs) Yes. That would be a bad nickname. <laughs> oh, there he comes, shitty knickers. Imagine, imagine the <laughs> lifetime of trauma. That was your nickname growing up, yeah. shit knickers. You shit yourself once when you were five. Yeah, once. Oh, right, here she comes. All, when they're all doing it. <laughs> Old shitty knickers. Yeah, so I pass on bad habits, swearing being one of them. Yeah. And I know I'm a shit parent sometimes. And that's what I talk about a lot on this podcast. And in my book, it's something I talk mm-hmm. about. I talk about how I fail, but at least I'm conscious of it and I'm trying to do better another thing i just thought about is you know we talked about parenting yourself before you have kids i feel like a lot of people fall into the trap of then stopping to parent themselves when they actually become parents because all their love and attention and time and focus is on parenting the kids yeah and they sort of let go of looking after themselves yes about the mental health or their diet or their exercise or whatever and then your kids are seeing you not looking after yourself and the whole thing can repeat it's very important as a parent to have timeouts like kids have timeouts. Mm-hmm. You've got to give yourself a timeout. Mine's my bath every day. I just say, right, I'm off. I'm going to have a bath. I'm going to go and relax. I need a timeout. I go for a walk. Yeah. I do all of these little things, sometimes not because I want to, but it's just because I need to get away. John isn't like that so much. He doesn't yeah. see. Yesterday I said to him, just go for a walk if you want to go for a walk. He said, oh, we'll just go together to the beach. I'm like, John, you need to go and mm. have some time on your own. But actually he doesn't. Yeah, he's not wild like he that. He doesn't need it. And I'm desperate for it, which is why I've just booked myself a holiday on my own. Yeah, you have. Yeah. 
It's called escapism. I have organised John's mum to come and look after the kids, but I am I going to see my best mate. John's mum to come with you. No, no, no. <laughs> Me and your mum are going on holiday. You're no, later. she's coming to do the hard yards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not a holiday for her. But I do love this message of this podcast, Hamish. Hey, mm. You know, look after yourself because you are going to be a better parent if, if you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Okay, so I've got some quotes here. I'll do the first one. Children begin by loving their parents. As they grow older, they judge them. Sometimes they forgive them. Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde. Brilliant. Yeah. The best inheritance a parent can give his children is a few minutes of his time each day. Huh. A few minutes. Is that all? That's all it takes. God, he he hasn't got kids. It may, maybe doesn't have he kids. He doesn't. Mr. O.A. Batista. I don't know you, O.A. Batista, but... He doesn't have kids. A few minutes. They are on you all day, every day about everything. It's more like you have a few minutes to yourself rather (laughs) than... That's the best thing, the best gift you can give your kids. A couple of minutes to yourself. Yeah, ignore that quote. Okay, Jodie Pickled. Parents aren't the people you come from. They're the people you want to be when you grow up. True. That's nice, isn't it? When I met John, one of the reasons I liked him was because he reminded me of my dad. Yeah, people do say you marry your mum or you marry yeah. your dad, don't you? Yeah, he, he was all officey. He had like a suit on. I was like, oh, it's just like my dad growing up, my dad coming back from work. And it's just, it gave me a feeling of being at home. Well, for, end with a disappointing affirmation. Love a disappointing affirmation, okay. Hamish. No one is coming to save you. You are the adult. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is true as well. It is, isn't it's it? actually true. I yeah. always think that if someone, if someone was to break into my house, I'd be like, fuck, I'm in charge. Yeah. I'm I'm the man daddy, of the house. Daddy, daddy! Yeah, Christ, we are getting burgled. If someone broke into your house, mm. have you got a weapon near the near the bed? No, I would I would not attack a burglar. I'd sit them down and talk to them about their trauma. Interesting. Yeah, I'd say, <laughs> are you okay? Them. Do you want a hug? Wow. Yeah. You are braver than me. Come on, come to Mama. I'd say. <laughs> oh, let me run you a bath. Yeah. And we'll unpack this. Yeah, let's unpack this burglar. Yeah. Let's do this. You can have whatever you like. Take it with you. I don't care. But let's have a... You can have everything in the house. Let's just have 10 minutes of therapy and we'll work out why no, you're doing this. This. this is this is like an advert. For, yeah. If I give away your address now, people will think, oh, I'll go burgle her. Everything, yeah. Everything's good to go and I get free therapy. Free therapy around my house. Wow. Yeah. What a house. Yeah. And then, like, like and then I'll clobber them with a <laughs> baseball bat. There, we have to finish saying that. <laughs> Otherwise, it sounds like Disneyland for burglars yeah. your house. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Fix got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. They have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? I don't know. Just write it on Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. 
It's called Therapy Works, and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room, where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now, wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuckuppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, good, yes. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. (laughs) 